We are here and we are strong. Let's be counted as we move on. Make a difference, change lives as we tell our different stories. We are capable, beautiful. We are born to do great things. We're unstoppable, incredible. Cause we're differently abled Differently Currently, we do not have the exact statistics on autism in Kenya. However, there has been an increase as time goes by. Organizations and individuals have taken up the responsibility of creating awareness. Stay tuned as we delve into matters autism and child development. This is Able Differently, and I'm your host, Jane Theore. We're differently abled, differently. On the 17th of June, an autism awareness event took place at Kasarani Primary School. Take a look. Andy, whose vision is to create a barrier-free society, fully inclusive of persons with disabilities, held an autism awareness event on the 17th of June at Kasarani Primary School in conjunction with other partners. My name is Sylvia Moramo Chabo. I am the founder of Andy Speaks for Special Needs Persons Africa, where we champion for inclusion of persons with neurodevelopmental disabilities, and that is autism, Down syndrome, learning disability, cerebral palsy, and other neurological disorders, including epilepsy and ADHD. And we want them to be included in matters education, health, and social protection, both the children and the caregivers of children with special needs. Today was a big day for us because uh, we have a challenge in finding schools that are well equipped and very accommodating for our special needs kids. And this was a baby born out of the World Autism Awareness Day 2021 celebration by Andy Speaks, where we did a ride of awareness across the counties and fundraised to make sure that we equip this school so that it can be come to the level of uh, international standards here at Kasarani Primary School. The building was there, resources were not there, which is a scene that we find in most of the schools that we have across the country. So we wanted to be the benchmark for all public special needs schools where they can see how are we supposed to set things up to meet the international standards so that the children come to school and get proper development so and also early intervention because if you give them education only without therapy then it's not going to work so health and education are something that have to go hand in hand and support of, of also assistive devices from the social protection unit also also has to come in so we have done phase one and phase two that is the equipping renovation and setting the standards we want to move it further and we hope that we'll be able to get support from the general public institutions and even the government so that we can cut down like on we know how water issues are we want to bring in water harvesting we want to set up a kitchen garden by setting up this kitchen garden you will find that the kids will be able to understand the process of how, where food comes from. It gives them that skill. And even at that, once they learn, that's something you can't take away from them. So that even if they don't get to go through the integration into the other side, they can become farmers. So we are equipping them also with life skills in that process. And also, um, apart from that, we want to set up a playground other than the therapy. So that you find that they have now the greater space. And the good thing about the integration here at Kasarani Primary School, you find that they're able to mingle with other kids. That means they're building their social skills. So we want an all-rounded child who will 
come out of the school and be able to integrate into the society as seamlessly as possible. Autism is a serious developmental disorder that impairs the ability to communicate and interact. The event's main agenda was to unveil an autism unit and therapy center at the school. This was my first project. The search project is to get somebody we can, we can partner with to feed the children. Then the third project will be we partner with some people to give us transport. Because we can give them food, we can give them these facilities, but they cannot get to school. So the, the, the first phase is to make sure that this OT is working. Second, we get the donors or we partner some people to feed. Then the third one, we make sure that the kids come to school. Because some of them cannot make it. And you cannot put them on a motorbike. Uh, it has really been a hassle to bring them here. Yeah. So uh, in fact, long term, that is my main Project. Therapy unit, you find that we have the monkey bar, which helps the children with fine motor skills and also coordination of their body. As much as a human being will take for granted the fact that they can walk, the fact that they can jump, our children, that integration is not as easy. That fine motor skill of coordinating that this is what I need to do so that my hand moves, so that I can pick this, so that I can do that, those are things that they are taught. As much as you can wake up, brush your teeth, that is one of the lessons that the children have for activities of daily living, dressing up, buttoning, those are the things that you will find in the classroom. So we have equipment that will help them in high-end coordination and also the brain getting activated that if I want this to react this way, I have to put in effort of this much for it to react. So these are some of the things that you will find, different equipment for different levels. So from the gross to the finer detail, all of it we've put it up in, in classes. In the classroom, as much as other children use toys for playing, for us our children use toys to learn. So you will find something like the, the train, which you have to learn, you can teach them to use colors, shapes, at the same time, that action of picking it up and making sure that the hole goes through the rod is in itself a skill that they have to practice over and over until they get it right. When you can teach others on the blackboard, they use electronic devices. When you can teach others in other ways, just telling them, for them, they are very visual being. So what we have, we have like uh, the alphabets, magnetic, we have them loose so they can build words and then also identify. And you see, the more they identify, the more they relate and then now you can shift them now to the regular classes where it is writing and reading with like other children. So it is a process, but then where you come from also matters. I think one of the things that has stood out for me is really the emphasis that children, adults, young adults, Teenagers with autism are, are able to learn. Mm -hmm. All they need is an enabling environment. All they need is some sort of education. All they need is uh, special equipment. Mm -hmm. So I think that affirms that parents should not keep the learners at home. They can take them to school and so on. Mm -hmm. So that stood out for me. Mm -hmm. I've also obviously been able to learn that uh, there are a number of challenges, including you know nutritional needs and so on, mm -hmm. and. Overall, I've also been impressed to learn that there are initiatives out there who are trying to make the lives of these young adults and parents and teenagers better. According to Lydia Chege, a representative from the Ministry of Education and guest of honor at the event, the ministry has a directorate that works with special needs. When the directorate was first established in 2018, the very first thing that we embarked on was to come up with a policy and this policy, under the policy, we are recognizing 12 categories 
12 categories of our learners with disability, no, not 12, 11, sorry. There are 11 of them. And uh, I think uh, there was a time when we were actually doing some, um, when, when we were going through the policy and I realized that autism is one of the major categories. I, it should be number 10 of the categories that is well recognized in our policy. And therefore, I have no doubt that this time round, our uh, unit will be well taken care of. Our unit, I know, with all the facilities, Madam Sylvia, whatever you have done, I'm sure this time round, it will not go to waste. It will serve the purpose that is intended for. I want you to note, parents, that uh, the ministry, or the government, the government is very much committed to actually uh, offering education to all learners. And we are all aware that uh, learners with disabilities are actually in the core of the government. The responsibilities attached to the autism spectrum can be quite overwhelming, but acceptance and love make things much easier. I am not going to take my children as what I wished for. When I'm giving birth, when I carry that baby, I love them at that point. Whatever the outcome, God already knew, and he knew why he gave them to me. Without those kids, I wouldn't have done this. Without those kids, I wouldn't have an idea what disability is like. And I believe that they have been teachers to me. So as a parent, find out why God gave you this and mold it and expound it. Maybe you are the voice that's going to save some other child somewhere. Don't hide them in the class. We're talking about advocacy. We're talking about awareness. How will people be aware when they have nothing to point reference to? So let's come out. Let's embrace our children for who they are, not what we expected them to be. And through that, then you will find the society also will embrace them. If you as a parent is ashamed of your child, how do you expect your neighbor to integrate, to embrace, and to take them for who they are? So it starts with you as a parent. Love them, accept them, find their strength and mold it. And you will be shocked at what you will find because all these children have their special abilities. It's for you as a parent to give them that uh, platform to nurture them so that they're able to identify it and soar. And why we work with the butterfly for Andy Speaks is because if you look at a, a, a butterfly's life, when it's a maggot, when it metamorphoses, all right, and it becomes this beautiful butterfly. And did you know you can never find the same butterfly patterns? Each butterfly is different, and that's the same with our children. So let's give them the environment where they can go through that metamorphosis to become and blossom to this beautiful butterfly that they're meant to be in this community. Congratulating their parents. I know it's not easy to have a child with disability, to love them and accept them, because there's an extra work that a parent is supposed to do. Therefore, I'm congratulating them. Not easy. We take a short break, but we'll be right back with more. Don't go too far. We're differently abled, differently. We're differently abled, differently. Welcome back, and you're definitely watching Abled Differently. 
we have an increase in the number of cases reported about child development milestone delays. But even as these cases are on the rise, do parents even know what needs to be done? Or do they even know how to detect these cases early enough for proper intervention? Let's listen in on Salaja as he takes us through this session. Seek to understand. Mike, your kid is autistic, yes. What level of performance? What severity? What, which help is available? My kid is, is a cerebral palsy. Which type of cerebral palsy? How severe? Cases of child developmental milestone delay are on the rise in Kenya. Most of the cases are lifelong and therefore need early intervention. Don't look at a kid just as a walking kid. Your baby is a, should be a walking baby, yes. They should be thinking babies. They should be social babies. They should be communicating babies. And they should be babies who can solve problems. And so, if by nature of your baby's condition they cannot walk, ask yourself, can they think? How do we know that they are thinking? And how much can they think? However, once a child is born, they are discharged from the hospital and no follow-ups is done. Only for the parent to seek medical intervention when things seem to be out of place. When not doing his military duties, Salaja dedicates his time to such cases. I'm a child behaviorist um, with a lot of desire to help in behavior modification of children from as early as when they are delivered. That is beginning from problems with breastfeeding, training them from that level at every, le at every stage of development, uh, helping in behavior modification for children with autism and even for children with cerebral palsy who because of the nature of delays that sometimes they have experience some uh, unusual baby behaviors or underdeveloped behaviors. As he explains, early intervention should start before the child is three years of age. Take this case where there is imminent speech delay in a kid, but then the mother keeps saying, no, you know even my neighbor's kid talked at four years, my kid will talk. Early intervention is any help that is offered to a baby below three years old. Uh, it can be preventive, it can be targeted towards curing a particular uh, condition that the baby has. The first point of intervention is to check for the high-risk infant. Where babies, the prematures, usually, uh, they're usually low birth weight. So uh, a weight between 2.5 up to around 3, 3.5 is no bad, but then the extremes, too low, too high, again that can make a kid be within this bracket of uh, high infant, high risk infant. Uh, the other thing, uh, at two, one to three months, if there's some history of convulsions, that uh, my baby has had convulsions, or that there's also a history of jaundice, at some point, my baby had jaundice. Jaundice is this yellowing of the, of the skin. And the baby was put on phototherapy. The baby was put on incubator. There are things that happen quite often, but then there is a signal they send. We don't want to wait until the baby has complications, then we step in.
but we walk with the mother and the baby so that whenever something is noted, it is dealt with immediately. And when intervention is that timely and so early, then there's usually very high chances of being able to manipulate. Once a case has been established, it is easy to place the child in a learning facility when he or she is of age, and this is where assessment comes in. This is a point where I think parents should take a personal initiative. Why do I say this? We have very few facilities and very few professionals who can do comprehensive evaluations. Actually, even standardized scores are not widely used here in Kenya. Because if you want to test the IQ of a kid, if you want to test the nonverbal intelligence of a kid, you know, there are standardized tests that are being used to evaluate, but which are not really being used uh, here in Kenya, are uh, not widely embraced. So it becomes challenging to, uh, to place a kid accurately at their, place or at their level of performance. When it comes to this time of wanting to place a kid to school, the preschool age is four years uh, for children who don't have delayed, delayed milestones. But for children who have had delays, you may find that that may come even later, as late as five years or sometimes even six years. But once a kid reaches four years or even five years and there's some level of uh, cognitive uh, ability or socio-emotional connection, uh, some form of mobility, then it is only good that a parent can seek a professional, a professional guidance. In assessment, the five domains of functions are looked at. A human being, a baby and adult, has five domains, five, five core domains of functions. One, we have the motor. Motor is now walking, uh, touching, manipulating with the hand and with the leg, mobility generally. And then there is the cognitive skills, thinking, memory, problem solving, judgment, that is another area. The other area is now uh, is the social skills, uh, which now enables a kid or even an adult to interact with, the, with, the, with other people and the, uh, the world uh, around them. And then the fourth one is the communication. And communication can either be verbal or nonverbal. It can be the use of gestures or it can be the use of spoken language. So that is the fourth area of function. And then the fifth one is what we call the adaptive skills. <clears throat> the interplay of these five systems, now that leads to complex, uh, complex actions. You're able to, <clears throat> to drive reverse for adults, for kids, they're able to make some complex decisions or solve some complex problems because of the interplay in these five areas. It is also important to know that therapy plays a key role in the life of a child who has been diagnosed with autism, cerebral palsy, and other developmental conditions. There are some cases which are very severe. I've interacted with uh, a number of cases of cerebral palsy, severe cerebral palsy, where a kid is 14 years, 15 years old, or even 20 years old, but they are still bedridden. They can't do so much. Even such kids, there's something we can still offer them. And that is comfort, peace, 
and a pain-free life. Because God has given them life. And they will live as long as God allows them to live. They will live as long as scientifically their systems is operating well. And so, in the days that they are alive and that they should be alive, we must try and give them a comfortable life. And that is where now therapy for maintenance comes in, where a kid receives therapy, not because there's so much that is going to be achieved in terms of function, but because we want those joints to be soft and manipulatable. We want the body to be relaxed. We want them to be comfortable and not to be at pain. Salaja notes that stigma contributes to making the life of such children unbearable. So while we were taking them to school to help them, school damaged them. And the interest of learning then diminished. As we seek to include them in school, then let us also put structures and uh, infrastructure that will, even the human, human capital, human capacity, that will ensure that we do very comprehensive evaluations and we hand over to the teachers a kid who is easy to understand and who will be accommodated by other kids and not be damaged. And as all these services are available within reach, especially in this digital age, the cost is what has kept most parents away from seeking help. As I know those who are in private practice, uh, sometimes consultation goes from 2500 to even 3000 and it is not a one-day thing. It's uh, something that takes a couple of years. And uh, it is not one service. A kid who requires occupational therapy will most likely require physiotherapy and will likely require speech therapist. All these people, uh, you will need them more than, more than once a week. And already that is a budget of close to 20,000 per week. Or even if you get the cheapest services, then at least 10,000 per week. There's a model that uh, I've encouraged and I've adopted. Once evaluation is done, then working with assistant therapist. Because these assistant therapists have a fairly uh, basic level training and therefore they are likely not going to charge as high as a therapist who has worked in a facility for so many years with a degree and a master's and the likes. It's true because consultation also varies on those lines. and <laughs> Experience influences cost. But then it's so easy for the experienced person to work with the assistants. That then makes cost. It reduces cost in a way so that uh, if you are to visit the consultant uh, five times a week at a fee of 3,000 per week, you can work with an assistant teacher who implements exactly what he would have done under his supervision. Salaja also says accessibility and other factors also contribute to the high cost of treatment. I think there are times that you get so many cases that require your attention and you're just one person, you can't help everybody. And that may undermine quality. That may undermine effectiveness. And so what do you do so that you ensure we are, you are still within the bracket of quality and effectiveness is you reduce the numbers. And if you reduce the numbers, you lock others out. So uh, accessibility of good 
and quality rehabilitation uh, services and care is also a challenge that, I, that is facing parents. It's a challenge also to the side of the therapist because you cannot, you can just, you can see just not, not so much. Or uh, there are times you really feel when you want to charge somebody and then you realize that they cannot sustain it. I, sometimes it breaks me. And for something like speech therapy and occupational therapy, do you know the NHIF has not yet embraced it properly well? Of course, private hospitals are the others that, 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 that take care of it. But there's a lot of debate on where do we place occupational therapy. As he goes along with his daily duties, he encourages parents to process the pain in order to avert suffering. I try to make parents understand that when we are going to be dealing with this pain of having to take care of this kid for some time, let us do other things in a way that we don't end up suffering because of divorce, because of separation, because the mother has to take the kid with the matatu to the clinic and the zaka. You know, that is now suffering. <laughs> you know, that's what I mean by suffering. Or the father has to be abandoned with the baby. The mother runs away. You see, that is now suffering. The baby is suffering. And the, while what he was supposed to do is the pain. So when I help parents, and the moments I've helped them to understand that, and then I see them now coming for therapy, couples. Actually, most of my clients usually come along as a couple. Because that amount of support also influences the result in therapy. Let's take a look at the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. Article 24 of the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities states that state parties shall ensure that persons with disabilities are able to access general tertiary education, vocational training, adult education and lifelong learning without discrimination and on an equal basis with others. To this end, State parties shall ensure that reasonable accommodation is provided to persons with disabilities. There are various sensory toys and tools in an autism therapy room, amongst which is the therapy sensory ball that is used for sensory play and input with children. These balls are usually strong and durable, and the size may vary depending on each child. The kid can lie, and then um, you, you you know lie on this on this ball, and then you. You can either move, move on a yacht and shake on your go up and then uh, chase the, the, the ball. It is, it is to do with the balancing, eh? because there is also an issues uh, about balancing. I'm afraid that's all the time we had for you today, but see you again when time and space allows. I've been your host, Teori Kwaherini. We are here. And we are strong Let's be counted as we move on Make a difference Change lives As we tell our different stories We are capable Beautiful We are born to do great things We're unstoppable Incredible Cause we're differently able differently